You know, the Black Dog Savage podcast is brought to you by Mountain Khakis. I mean, it's they're the best. Well, I, I see why. Well, I, I like the stretching material they use. You know, I mean, it's real rugged. They're out in uh, Jackson Hole. But they're uh, available everywhere. Yeah. And they ship in a few days and they do, you know, work pants, work shirts and jackets and hats. And they've yeah, been but with, with style. They've Plenty been, of style. You know what? So I've never looked better. That's true. You're, you're on a radio here. You really can't see how good I look, but I'm looking pretty good. You'll just have to take our word for it. I'd, I'd stick with radio. Yeah, yeah right. I do have a face for radio. Hi, hey, guys. Well, you can find them on the www. Uh, That's Mount, right. Mountain Khakis. Get you some. Hey, I'm Mike Whiteside. And I'm Robert Cole. And I'm Tay Whiteside. And welcome back to the Black Dog Salvage podcast. We haven't been canceled yet, fellas. It's hard to cancel when you haven't started. <laughs> hey, every week here at the Black Dog Salvage podcast, we're going to talk to some of the most interesting people we can find in the salvage maker and creator's world. You know, we're going to give up a little tip of the week from salvage to turn your trash into treasures. And finally, every week, we'll give you behind the scenes look at a single episode of 11 seasons we've done on salvage dogs. Easy for you to say, Mike. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. I, I can He's read stuck to the script every once in a while. He stuck to it. <laughs> Absolutely welcome back. And today's episode, I'm just going to take it because this is a personal hero of mine. We got the, the one and only Jimmy DeResta on the episode. He's a designer, Thank a fabricator, you. an artist video producer. Hey, man, <laughs> I went right into it. Good to have you. Thank you. You know, and then after we get it going, we're hoping that you brought with you a uh, DIY tip of the week. Uh, mm -hmm. That's right up your alley from what I can tell you. I got a lot. And then later we'll get into the episode, uh, one of the episodes of the show. As dad said, we were on air for eight years. We did 11 seasons, 143 episodes. Not that anybody's counting. No, no, no. Each one of them took a little chip out of the tree there, but it's all right. We'll be talking about episode nine. Three, which aired June 10th of a year I didn't write down. <laughs> and, uh, and then that one that uh, we did the uh, price filler machine shop pick. Uh, Robert learned that he was a maker. That's right. We had, uh, this is my coming of age. Uh -huh. That's right. And basically, this is a perfect episode. <laughs> To, to bring Jimmy into because that's now your shop. It is. I feel very lucky to be in there, but it was also the day that you realized you were a maker. Well, that's true. And I'll get into that that's later. That's true. <laughs> I think I've forgotten already. But anyway, just after the break, Jimmy DeResta. Thank you. <laughs> you know, if you cut the tailgate off a Chevy truck, it makes a great bench. You know what? You can say that about most trucks. No, but said. <laughs> yeah, no that's said. true. But since we had one in our parking lot. Oh, man. Chevys are the bomb. They are great trucks the work trucks the ones we've had and used are just unstoppable the diesels are amazing even the gas ones you guys used to have are more powerful than they should have been they're great and uh they're comfortable again as a tall guy uh interiors are super comfortable fit great we've taken long long road yeah trips everybody with used to uh, jockey for the 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 chevy yeah. windshield time you know i got so always ended up box with trucks and then yeah. someone would be in a chevy pickup. Uh, yeah. Like, Who gets to drive the Chevys, you know, because it's posh. I it mean, is. it is nice. They have been forever. Yeah. Uh, my dream truck to this day is a, is a Chevy 2500 HD diesel. So, you know, one day. Anybody got one out there and wants to send it to take? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> send it on. They're That's the right. bomb. They've kept us going for years and, and will continue to in the future. Yep. Get you one. All right. And welcome back to the podcast. We're here with the one and only Jimmy DeResta. Jimmy, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. Thank you. Thank you. Clearly, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But to me, at least in the YouTube generation or anyone, the maker on the Internet, I suppose the Internet is where the term maker was probably born. Jimmy DeResta is a man who really doesn't need much introduction, but I'll give you anyway. Jimmy's in New York. You know, he's a designer, artist and video producer. I did not know this actually until Jason put this together, but you taught at the School of Visual Arts. I did for 23 years. That's wow. really cool. Up in New York? Yep. That's the school I graduated from in 1990. And then in 94, I began teaching there. And it's obvious in your work that you're very art centric because mm -hmm. you think outside of the box in a lot of your builds. But yeah. speaking of builds, I think it's fair to say that the reason most people know your name is because of YouTube, right? You got, I think yeah. now almost 2 yep. million YouTube subscribers. Close to 2 million. Yep. And uh, I've had, which is funny because I've jumped back and forth to TV and a lot of people are like, oh, you're selling out, you're going to TV. <laughs> Absolutely. I've actually been on TV. My first TV show was 20 years ago. We did a show on FX Network. Then a few years after that, I did a show for HGTV and then I did a show for DIY Network. And then we did a Discovery Channel show. 
And then that's when I decided to go to YouTube after Discovery Experience. And right. and then I, I started playing around on YouTube. 2011 really is really more the timing. I started realizing I was preparing all my own videos for the TV pitches that we've done. Shoot them all. I edit them all. And then my girlfriend, who's smarter than me and younger than me, said, you know, you, you're running around, you know, trying to please all these TV people and you get frustrated with it. Why don't you just do this once a week and put it on YouTube and just do something fun and different every time. And uh, I started exploring the idea. And now here it is just about freedom. exactly 10 years later. Freedom. 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 And, you know, what is amazing is that when a tool company is coming to be on your channel, there's nobody to call but you because you are the executive producer, director, writer, editor, cameraman, lighting man, idea man, actor, comedian on that channel. Yeah, right. And so when SawStop wants to be on your channel, they write to you directly. They don't write to some producer who sugarcoats and shields you from things that they do or don't want you to be involved. There's a producer off camera who's laughing right now. There's a few of them, yeah. Yeah. This isn't any worse than what they've told them before. (laughs) One of those producers uh, spent spent a good long time with us struggling with what exactly you're saying. We were heavily edited, I can tell you. I'm sure of it, I'm sure of it. Because Black Dog, these guys started it in 99, and, and for like 12 years, it was a functional architectural salvage business. With uh, Functional is, uh, that's, <laughs> yeah. a, that's kind of a reach. <laughs> <That's right>. yeah. <laughs> was, yeah. Did I say was too loud? Yeah, you did. But then the TV show came along. So I wanted to kind of dovetail this into a bigger question. So we had sort of a thing going on and then the show happened. Right. I think in a lot of television, the show concept is is invented and then they go, okay, well now we need to find people to fill in the holes. Right. Well, they didn't know what to do with us because we were not host. We were business owners that had an idea and they didn't know how to pocket us. So they left us alone for five years. It really did. One of the things I wanted to touch on is branding because you are obviously a genius brand. <laughs> and well, uh, we, I appreciate that. We, <laughs> just an well, idiot that writes his name on everything. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. We uh, made a great effort from the very beginning and somehow managed to keep our brand right there up front. Yeah. And this is a brand that we built for Mike and I built for 12 years. And when the yeah. TV ship came, there was right. our T-shirts. There it was. And somehow for almost 75% of the life of the show, it was still there. Well, we, yeah. were, we were a bastard stepchild, yeah. you know, which was kind of a good place yeah, to be. Right. If you see my hat, it says D-Team. It's, right. it's a good place that you're under the radar and people are not watching you and you can get product placement in. You can just be <laughs> yeah. shameful. What's, what's so funny is that, you know, like there's so many, there's so many more opportunities to make money. Now, every time someone pitches me a TV show, I'm just like, I, I the salary, so, I can't do it. I make so much more money day to day. Just, as YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's no, and, and like, you can't, you got to lock me down for five weeks or six weeks, whatever the shoot is. Give me, you know, whatever, you know, anywhere. And I'm not saying I've made as much as 15,000 an episode, but I made as, you know, as much as 15 an episode to as low as like 2000 an episode. And then they come in. What's funny is the TV executives still think that they have the upper hand, like over the internet. They still think that. Yeah. Talent like me is going to jump at the shot to be on their network. I have absolutely zero interest outside of maybe building. I always joke. I say, people say, why do you do TV? Why am I doing this? For instance, why am I working on making it? Firstly, because Nick Offman's there, Nick and I, Nick and I are friends. I get to hang out with Amy Poehler. I know I'm name dropping, but these are cool people. I would never have an opportunity uh, to see uh, them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if I pass thing. on that show, the salary is not huge, but the credibility is big. And uh, you know, I have to do these type of shows to ultimately get my GMC commercial. I cannot get a GMC commercial <laughs> just being, you know, absolute <laughs> idiot well, on YouTube. Uh, so yeah, that's yeah. Just, this is why. So I, honestly, like we're going through negotiation now. Me and uh, a couple of friends for a potential show with a huge production company that everybody knows on a network that's, you know, trying to redefine themselves. And we might be that show, maybe, maybe not, but they came across some crazy contract. It's not, I'm not the lead on the show. I'm just, I'll be like a, you know, a friend on the show, but the lead guy is, does what you guys do, but in a huge way, like very specific items. Like he's not necessarily like changing anything other than maybe restoring some real historical pieces like back to its original not not making tables of furniture or anything like that that's not sure, his bad. Yeah. he's not an artist and he says all the time he's just a he's a purveyor of history and historical items he finds them and sells them and you know they came across with something like we get 20 percent of your business he's like are you out of your mind <laughs> if you want 20 percent of my business you give me a hundred thousand dollars to carry my pocket every episode yeah that you right. let me play with it 
If not, this is all my money. It's all my profit. Yeah, like, well, right. you don't understand. He's like, that, you're not going to up my business. I think you fell off the potato truck yesterday. You know, yeah. that's, that's, yeah. that's an old well, he, he basically, I said to him, I go, if that's going to snarl up the entire project, that's fine with me. I don't care because I'm fine already. You know, it's it's like I came to the table. My buddy would always say it. You know, I'm coming to the table with a sandwich in my pocket. I'm not coming to the table with nothing in my pocket. Hey, Jimmy, uh, you, you, how about yeah. you being our agent? Sounds like you're the guy. Yeah, we need a we need a high energy New Yorker fighting for us. You mentioned uh, my, making, uh, my agent is in New Yorker. Right? I guess and, uh, yes, on NBC. I wanted to ask you one specific question about that, and, sure. it's, and it was: Have you ever found anything that won't solve? Oh, that's funny <laughs> with Nick. <laughs> I love that. I love. That. Thank you, thank you. The producers came up with that idea, and they said to me, "Do you think it'll work?" I was like, "With this, can I curse on the show?" Sure. Yeah. I said, with this piece of shit saw you guys gave us, I said, not everything's going to saw. I said, I'll tell you that flat out right now. They gave us some like Chicago machinery uh, oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. from yeah. Harbor Freight. Yeah. Just to let everybody know, Nick Offerman and, and, and Jimmy were, were uh, testing what will it saw was the question. Will it saw? <laughs> yeah. That was a whole segment of the and show. The first one was a, a, a so a boot. Like, a, yeah, they went to like the thrift shop and got a couple things for us to cut in half. And, and oh, that, that was awesome. Awesome. like, if we were going to cut like that in half, we'd hit the metal shank and the, the the crappy blade on the crappy saw uh -huh. horsepower was going to yeah. snarl. So I said to the producer, like, will it saw? Everything will saw, with, but not with this saw. Not with this. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe with so, a do-all, the do-all in my and, shop. And, but, and Nick, yeah. Nick right. talking about, uh, you know, safety, they, you know, the, it, it, what we're doing is not safe. It is not yeah, safe. Yeah, yeah. And he knows just, that yeah, too, because <laughs> most people don't know that Nick Offerman is a legitimate woodworker. Like He is. Yes, he is. Yeah. From from yeah. the little that I have seen, yeah. but it was yeah, great. no. Nick has always been. Uh, Nick, it's funny. Nick's got a great story. He started out uh, earning money in college as a scenic, so he was doing scenic stuff from time to time on the plays and the and the productions he was doing. So he went from scenic right. there. When he went out to LA, he was still doing more scenic and you know carpentry. And then he started up in his sure. game and challenging himself, which I I always encourage everybody to do. If you're good at this, what's the next hardest thing that you should right. challenge yeah. yourself with? Don't bite yeah. off and that's too what much. He did. Well, anyway, it was a great bit. I liked it. Thank Will you, it solve? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's pretty obvious that with uh, four tool heads in one room, we could uh, waste all kinds of hard drive space. But we're going to take it to a break real quick. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Jimmy about some of his builds. See you on a bit. Milwaukee tools. Milwaukee tools. People. New Milwaukee. What's the, what's the tagline? Buy one. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the tagline was. Yeah, yeah, that's worth a hundred thousand dollars right there. You know, uh, I was—I once talked about my my tethered tools, but the M eighteen tools, my Milwaukee, last a long time. That charge, good batteries, good tools. The combination is unbeatable when you're out in the field and you're trying to get work done. Good stuff. That's the key. You're on yeah. a roof. Yeah. You're on a tower. You're climbing the a crane and a tree. All that stuff. You know, yeah. you, you you maybe have room for two batteries, and that's all. You yeah, only you, need one. You throw your tool in the bucket with an extra battery because mm -hmm. you don't want to have to come down off that bell tower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, you know, the one time I've had trouble with a Sawzall, a Milwaukee tool, was when it was possessed. It had been, it, they last so long <laughs> that they were actually possessed. <laughs> and they took possession of Mike. You remember that? I do. In the funeral home. In the funeral home. Yeah. And there was a, yeah, we had to, I was, I was, it come on me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it, was, it was flung on me. Three Milwaukee Sawzalls out there in the field one of them went missing, uh, you know, and you guys argued over the other two. Yeah, and he almost came at me. I, I, yeah. You know, I, I, I don't go postal most of the time, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I was going to go all Milwaukee on your ass. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, we got through it as soon as we walked out. Tool, the tool died, and and whatever it came in, Robert and I shook hands, and we were good buddies the rest of the day. Yeah, and Milwaukee's still with us. Yes, they are. All right. And welcome back to the podcast. We're here with the one and only Jimmy DeResta. And we're hoping now, Jimmy, that we can dive yeah. into some of your iconic builds featured on the old YouTubes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the you. old YouTube. The YouTube. Well, now it is old. Is yeah. Now it old? is old. Yeah. It's yeah. been around YouTube. since what? 08, I think, is when YouTube was born. And you were oh, on I it. I think 06. 06. Yeah. And yeah. you were on it uh, in 2011 already. So, like, a, you know, yeah, this well, is. Yeah, I got on in 06 right away just to capture my name because I was on DIY Network. I had this glimmer of hope that maybe I, you know, the show would catch on and people would know who I was. And I don't know. I get my GMC commercial. <laughs> GMC. Yeah, GMC. That, yeah. <laughs> that didn't happen. And so I, I, I at least parked 
marked my name and then I was trying to do a little bit of promotion. But that was at the time when YouTube, like you'd have cat videos and people playing the like cats yeah. playing the pianos. And those are the viral videos. And what is a funny thing, at that time, I was not at all thinking YouTube. You know, I was a TV star. I wasn't going to do YouTube. YouTube was for <laughs> like hacks. And uh, so this was in 2006. And I offhandedly made somebody, a friend of mine was a chef and a, and a, and a catering guy. And he wanted the Coney Island roller coaster, the uh, cyclone, to put cupcakes on for a party. So with a thousand sticks and a bunch of hot glue, I made the cyclone so he could put uh, cupcakes <laughs> yeah. on it at a party. And then I did like a little, do you remember when cameras used to have like a 30 second movie option? Yeah, before like they were just flip cameras movie? or something. Yeah. It was just like a Sony like pocket snapshot camera, but like having like a little 30 second movie was like a big yeah. option. And this is how long ago it was to date this story. And I did a little walk around of the roller coaster thing. And then I, it was like one of the first things I ever put on YouTube. But I was trying to do all these HGTV promotions for my new show. None of them got, I got like 10 views. The roller coaster video got like 300,000 views. And I was like, what, like, how can I connect this to my life? Yeah. This thing with a, with a roller coaster was really like my first viral video. Ultimately, when I rebranded and said, I'm going to just be a YouTube guy, which was four years later, five years later, I got rid of all that content. I deleted it all, including the roller coaster thing. Oh, I just no. deleted it all and just started from scratch. And that was when I went back in with my intentions of trying to just build a brand and a channel that is just completely me. And so that's that's that was my YouTube story. Yeah, you take uh, a little bit of everything, kind of like us. You know, well, people ask me all the time, you know, what inspires you to turn this into that? And right. it's, I've, I've never saw that in it. And it going like, well, you don't, you don't want to live inside my brain because that's where I see stuff. <laughs> right, and right, right. I'm, I'm sure like I was thinking of the uh, AK-47 guitar. It's so yeah. good. Yeah, that was, that so was brilliant. Good. You know, I, I enjoyed <laughs> that so much. Well, that came up. You know, it's funny. I, I always ask my fans and friends and, you know, people that know me. I love getting suggestions of things that I otherwise wouldn't think of. Like I always say, I'd like to be blindsided, blindside me, hit me with a bill. What do you want me to make? And then somebody will come up with some crazy suggestion and then I take it from there. And in this case, my accountant of all people called me and was like, hey, you've made guitars in the past. How about you build a guitar for Wyclef? Wyclef wants to make a guitar that looks like a gun. I told them all about you. Can you have a meeting tomorrow? So like I went <laughs> from like just a regular day in my life is a nobody to like the next day I'm sitting in a music studio with Wyclef Jean and his brother who's his producer and like a bunch of like like sitting in the studio where Biggie Smalls and John Lennon and wow. several like I was in the building where John Lennon was the night before he was the night he was murdered he was at this studio that I was in wow. and then you know a few hours later he had died and uh so I was in this really it was called Daddy's House it's actually owned by um Puff Daddy it's a big you know rapper studio and yeah, uh, yeah. anyway I was in this spot with Wyclef, he had rented the studio for four months to make an album. And one of the promotional things he wanted to do was have a guitar that looked like the classic guitar that uh, Peter Tosh had during the, during the Vietnam era. He had a guitar that would look like an M16. And he's like, what can we do to make it modern? And then, it, you know, we, we kind of joked about the Saddam Hussein gold, uh, gold. AK-47. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, I was like, oh, well, let's just make it the gold AK-47. Sounds great. And then just by pure timing, one I went and... Told, I used to share all my projects with my students. This was in April of 2013. I told my students what I was up to. I was going to maybe make this AK-47 guitar, but I didn't know if I was going to build it on an AK-47. I'll start from scratch. And one of my students said, I just did an anti-gun violence poster and I bought an <laughs> Airsoft AK-47. Oh, he goes, perfect. I'm done with it. If you want it, I'll get it during the school break. So like we took a, like we take like a cigarette break during the class. He went and came back with it wrapped in a plastic bag. You know, like it's just a few short years from you can't even like have a fake gun anywhere in this world. Yeah, now. right. He literally walked into the classroom with an AK-47, <laughs> like a garbage cow. bag on one side and a garbage bag on the other. And, you know, it looked like an AK-47 inside of a garbage bag. And he walks <laughs> in and goes, yeah, take it home. Was. And I just I brought it home. And, and that was what I used as my inspiration and like my details I mocked it all up from scratch and using the guitar itself. A lot of people watch that video directly. They watch it and they come away thinking that I turned a gun into a guitar. I know. But in fact, I used the gun as inspiration. Everything on the yeah. guitar ultimately ended up being much bigger. So I had to remake the stock. I had to remake the handle, the grip, and you know the sights and the and the gas tube. Everything was all just completely mocked up from parts in my shop. Let me ask you another question. You have both your thumbs? Because you know I, 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 I cut my fingers a lot. Yeah. Uh, uh, he feels. Features you did a lot. Cut, I, cut yeah, my, I cut my pinky off. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Well, they put it I back on. I cut my on. pinky off. 
He he features a yeah, lot of tape okay. on his fingers. Yeah. I've noticed, yeah. just like yeah, yeah, yeah. you, Mike. I but I, I like to, I like your free cutting with the bandsaw. That's, <laughs> oh, that's my favorite. You know, <laughs> like I've been so there, but you know, I'm I don't have fingers now. You know, it's uh, it well, was, you know, he he's. His the videography, the stuff, your, your production with all the different speeds and stuff, which is fantastic. And I, I found myself you. watching you saw, and I'm thinking in my in my mind, like, holy shit, he's he's going to cut his fingers off. And of course, you're really not doing it at that speed, but you can't get it out of your head. That's the I have this right technique. I've, oh, uh, awesome. You know, it's funny. I've gotten a couple, I've gotten my fans used to a couple of techniques that I often do. Like, I'm sure. For instance, I have this big, uh, big Oliver. Pattern maker sander. It's a 32 inch disc, two 32 inch discs. Right. You know, when I shut it off, I'll come back in the morning and the thing is still slowly coming to a stop. <laughs> right. It's a three phase. It's got like an eight, 10 horsepower motor on it. Good God. And I when it. I occasionally yeah. I sand a little, uh, steel on it, you know, and one time I was sanding steel. So I'm like going all high speed, high speed, high speed. And then I cut to slow mo. And then you just see the entire disc like snarl up and shoot in every direction. And you right. see me flinch like this. And uh, so my fans are totally used to when I go to slow-mo, something bad's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Jaws noise. You yeah. know something's yeah. coming. <laughs> or, or, or maybe something good. You know, I'm seeing the block plane and everything goes, wow. Yeah, it's all so good. It's perfect there is occasion. There's, a, there's an occasion where... Every time I go to slow-mo, I'm like, might be showing like a product logo or something that, you know, not necessarily yeah. because I'm getting paid, but to say like, hey, I'm using this oil here or I'm using this finish right. here, you know, because right. otherwise it's quick. And then the qu first question is, what did you use? So I might just slow down just so people can get a detail of the, the product. And uh, people are, and then the, right away, the comments are like, oh my God, I thought that you were going to spill that. Or I thought something was going to explode. <laughs> yeah. Our finger was going to come off. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and also that your brand, your, uh, your tool brand, the, the white off white painted yeah. tools, you know, I, yeah. I like the one about the, these, these tutorials about the drill press, you know, this, uh, where you got that guy that you slide the drill in to make a straight Oh yeah. Cup. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's funny. My, me and my assistant kind of brainstormed that together. My assistant at the time, David, who was a former student of mine, David Welder, who's a a great filmmaker in and of himself he um he and i came up with that kind of at the same time like with the with the flat back on a drill to use That's it brilliant. as a drill press and dave always said and this is his line i get attributed to it often but it's his line he's like why do they make drills that look like sneakers just make sneakers yeah. look like sneakers and make <laughs> drills look like drills well i have a follow-up on the uh like the Wyclef Sean build is a perfect example. I think so many creators now, if they had that build, the opportunity to do that, and they they know what kind of view that views that's going to get and that kind of thing, I feel like most people would be so tempted to like blow that out of proportion, right? Like name drop and right. dance in front of the camera, like oh my god, I'm building a thing for. And so many people yeah. do that on YouTube now, but like your style of video, I, I would imagine from early on and even to now is just like show the work, show all of the work and, and right. condense it down into like a reasonable amount of time. And right. then, and then you, you almost don't even say bye. Like the camera just turns off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Walks away. Yeah. Like, yeah. and, and I, I super respect that. And uh, that must be intentional, right? Like, yeah, well it is. It's funny. I started developing this style in the beginning. I said, if I'm going to make a YouTube video once a week or two a month or whatever it might be, I'm going to have to edit a lot and I'm also going to have copyright problems. <laughs> yeah, so right. let me just avoid music. And, you know, the, the, I can't stand music that sounds just like ACDC or sounds just like, you know, New Wave. Yeah. I can't stand that. It drives me nuts because you're like, anyway, I just said, let me just leave music out. Let me leave music because my personal viewing experience, and it's more and more now, is that just I watch things in silence. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm laying in bed with my girl or I'm, you know, I'm in the movies or I'm, you know, in a meeting or I'm on a YouTube, uh, I'm on yeah. a Zoom call. Yeah. I watch things <laughs> in silence. And so I really wanted my videos to just basically be watchable in silence. And as a consolation, you get the sound of the tools. So there's no music. And nowadays, more often now, I do more narration. I'll say like what I'm doing. But it afforded me the ability to have hundreds and hundreds of videos that don't necessarily either have a soundtrack or need one that I can then voice over and offer on Patreon. So now oh, for cool. $1 a month, you have access to my whole library of videos that I've have a voiceover added to. So you can just go back in and they're all unlisted on YouTube, but they're published on my, on my uh, Patreon page. So right. you can hear my, like I call them the director cuts where I'm just like, Oh, this is when the, t the saw blade broke or, you know, yeah. I was thinking about that. I was going to go in this direction. I ended up going that direction. I never heard your voice until you started kissing your cat. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, yeah. Cat love. Yeah. Well, yeah, one more yeah. point about those videos that I wanted to bring yeah. up is, and for all our listeners out there, you get to see the whole project, which is beautiful because 
a lot of times you're seeing projects on, on YouTube and other places yeah. where it's snippets. But you get to see the whole thing and the work yeah. that is involved with these projects. I mean, the sheer volume, volume and the steps and everything else that goes with it is yeah. incredible. And even though you don't have to, we don't have to spend all that time with you while you did that work, we get mm -hmm. to see the whole thing from start to finish. Well, that's it. Yeah. I always say, you know, uh, like it, this is a, this is an old uh, a term from cartooning when cartooning became popular in the you know, 20s and 10s, 20s and 30s and 40s. Keyframe. A keyframe artist was the artist that did things that would actually make the, the image go in another direction. Or it might be like the character would be like like this and they'd use as many images as they could over and over. And then when he turned, that's a keyframe. So I always tell people my advice when you're making a movie is look for the keyframe, especially in this like kind of YouTube style, because you'll see these like noobs and you know i say noobs either they're young at filmmaking or new to filmmaking they do the, the, the surveillance they basically put a camera in the corner of the room and it's just a surveillance camera of you working and yeah. nobody wants to watch that you know unless you're unless you're going to explode a uh you know an airbag or something nobody wants to see just the surveillance of anybody building something um so i always say put the camera in the work and really only film the keyframes of when the project turns from one thing to another. When the wood gets cut in half, you need that keyframe. When the wood gets glued together, you need that keyframe. When you're going to add a clamp, you know, so if you just reduce out everything in between all those keyframes, as you begin to, you know, put together a sequence and you trust the viewer is going to know what happened in between. Oh, okay. He was on that side of the shop. Now he's on this side of the shop. He still has the piece of wood in his hand. I don't need to show him walking from there to there. It doesn't right. matter. It's extremely watchable. In, in yeah. Just, Thank you. I just started watching last night, but yeah, this is the first time I've ever seen them take notes about anything. Well, it must be so much work to do that though. Right. Like the reason, and I'm guilty of it in my shop, I'm, I'm a fledgling YouTuber myself, right. but the surveillance shot is so easy. Yeah. And you don't, if, no. you, if you're not trained, you don't know where the keyframes are going to be. In my case, I'm like, well, I might be right. over at that saw, but I'm prototyping. So I might also right. be over there. Well, you know, uh, another way to, another way to kind of think of it is what your eyes see while you're working is what the viewers should see. Good and that's point. what I always say. And if it's not necessarily the camera's not attached to your nose, it could be, you know, the viewer's set of eyes that are like maybe in the same spot your eyes are, you know, in relationship to the product your hands are on yeah. or relationship, you know, like. And, and full body shots, you don't need them unless you need to show scale for a project. Like at the very end, you know, you could see me intimately doing something. You know, it, it all depends on the techniques you want to show off. And, you know, you got to have a selective focus is really nice. I mean, the first 75 videos I ever did when I decided to do YouTube, and I've used really expensive cameras prior to that, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep it as simple as possible so I can move through these quickly. I started using a flip camera. Do you remember the flip camera? Yeah. Where, like the, the USB would flip out inside and you stick it right into the computer. So for the first 75 videos I ever did, I used a flip camera, but I started seeing my competition and my friends and my contemporaries having beautiful selective focus, which I know all about. And then when my last flip, I had three of them. When my last flip camera finally gave up, I'm like, that's it. I'm going to a SLR. And that's when I started really just using uh, selective focus as part of uh, my compositions. Meaning like if I'm holding a tool and my background's so busy, but I don't really, I don't really like, I just like using available lighting. I just make sure that the background's really blurry and whatever I'm doing with my right. hands is in focus. And if I need to, you know, I'll say to my guy, uh, you see this? And I'll put a mark on there. I'm like, when I'm here, make sure that number is on that number. And then when I'm here, mm -hmm. make sure that number's on this number, you know, whole focus. Just another boatload of uh, insider trading <laughs> with Jimmy Teresta. <laughs> but we're going to take a quick break. And then we come back, we're going to we're going to put a dovetail <laughs> on this whole segment. And uh, we're going to move on to the Salvage Dogs episode. See awesome. you in a bit. You know, the Leatherman, it's, it's an iconic piece. The Leatherman multi-tool? Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm sure it's probably in the the Met or some of these art galleries or, mm. or American history. It's, it should be. These guys are at the at the pinnacle of their game. You know, I, I wake up, almost wake up and put it on. And it's almost the last thing that I do before I go to bed is take it off, you know? And the only thing I don't do is sleep with it. And sometimes I do that too. So I'm kind of a fan, maybe a geek, you know? You're a Leatherman nerd. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. which is cool now. Is it? Being a nerd. It's about time. Yeah. You, know, <laughs> you, know, you know, you get cool and, and you hope you get cool again and you just gotta, you just gotta live long enough. Well, if you're a nerd, you want to be cool, buy a Leatherman. There you go, folks. You can. Uh, you heard it here. You you can fix your your apparatus. Your glasses. Apparatus. <laughs> yeah. There you go. 
<laughs> it does have a little little screwdriver, and you can do that. See, my point proven. Get you one. And welcome back to the Black Dog Salvage Podcast. We're here with the one and only Jimmy DeResta. And I think it's about time we talk about the juice, gentlemen, the passion. Why are we doing this? <laughs> Dumpster diving. Yes. Yeah, is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. Well, with Black Dog Salvage, it's an architectural salvage and antiques company with a focus in upcycling now, which is a term that came about, uh, God, within the last, de- last decade. Not I'm when sure. we started. No, not, not when we started. We, we coined started. it. <laughs> but also, Jimmy uh, does a lot of that too, you know, repurposing, yeah. upcycling, salvage. Mm-hmm. So, Dad, mm-hmm. Robert, why don't you all start like, you know, the ethos of Black Dog? And then maybe, Jimmy, you could tell us your own version of that. Yeah. Sure. Well, you know, when Robert and I started this, it was just, uh, hey, there's a house over here. Let's do, let's uh, save it. And that was the genesis of this. But then it, as we grew into this, we had to apply some, some value to this stuff because a door is a door, but it can be so much more. You know, so yeah. we found our, our juge, so to speak. And <laughs> mine is aviation and, and boats because I think hydrodynamics is art in its own right. That's a big just word. Because, just because of the way it looks, it's sexy, but, you know, and, and turning it into furniture, that tends to be my, my mode. I can make it out of anything, but why right. not furniture? Cause you can use it. You know, yeah, so that, yeah. that's kind of the, the passion that, that kind of brought, that keeps me going every day. And I, mean, I was all sweaty coming up into this interview because I was in the shop turning it out. Well, it's funny. I said when we did a show called Dirty Money, where we find stuff in the street and turn it into things. Another funny, just a funny little inside baseball story. We, me and my brother did that just to show people that you could do it. It wasn't our business. We had done that in our lifetimes, but we didn't make it a business like you guys. I mean, our business was to try and create content. And then uh, the producer of that show was like, hey, we're going to have dinner with the producers at the network tonight. Just pretend like this is your business. You know, I kind of <laughs> kept it vague. And then like, wait a minute. He thinks this is real. We, this is a total joke to us. We're just trying to show people how they can do this at their home. Like, we want to be like, kind of like, you know cooks like showing how to cook food on tv and they're like yeah it's like well that's the only way we were able to sell a show is that they think it's your business so just just go along with it and then like we're sitting in like how often do you pick garbage i'm like i'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I teach art school i'm a professional i'm a professional teacher <laughs> and uh but then you know i do have a passion like you guys say to, when you see something on the street and you you see it and you know that like god like somebody designed invented that manufactured it sawed through to the end so and these guys true. are throwing it out or you know this beautiful piece of cast iron that you know saved it that was like made it past world war ii without being reground and remelted and now here it is it's about to go into a dumpster and some idiot's about to push it over and crack it i just feel like these things have a spirit in the way, like it's like finding a stray dog. You know, if I find yeah. a stray bandsaw, like I'm working on getting these two bandsaws from Georgia right now, these two four foot diameter bandsaws. So they have yeah. a four foot throat. They have a 10, 15 foot, 12, 13. The bottom wheel is supposed to go in the ground. They're supposed to dig a hole when I install it. Wow. wow. Yeah. I want to see you do some free cutting with that one. <laughs> oh, I, I, I can't wait. I have a three, I have three, three foot diameter bandsaws, you know, three foot throats. And they're, and they're like eight or nine feet tall. And I love freehanding with those. So it's just, it's like freehanding with like a good quality chainsaw, you know? It's, it's oh, great. yeah. Right. Yeah. Can you imagine? That? I mean, what drives me crazy is the thought of that headed to be recycled and go headed to the landfill when it didn't get a chance. I mean, it had, Two or three more chances if you just give it the time. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. There was a recycling guy that that befriended me in, in Queens. And because of my YouTube videos, this, he would call me all the time. Kai is his name. Kai would be like, you, you got to get over this. here. You got to <laughs> yeah. see what's here. And, I, and, be, and this was before I was up here with forklifts and trailers and stuff. Is when I was like full-time Lower East Side Manhattan. I just had my car and nothing else. And he, he'd be like, oh, God. I'm like, can you just put it in the corner? Let's, buy me, let's just buy me more time. He's like, my boss is going to want to grind it up soon. You know, it might be like a table saw from like the 1920s. I went there once. I saw like two bandsaws, two Rockwell, Delta Rockwell bandsaws. My favorite bandsaw was broken on the ground. Like now I would collect them for the parts because I have various different ones to, you know, to swap parts with. But at the time, I, I just like... I, I don't have the means to keep them, you know, put anywhere. They'll put them anywhere, but it, no, it so breaks my salvage. heart to see yeah. these, it's you know, these really. trucks will pull up. They like these, these, uh, you guys, you guys live this life every day. So, you know, like a company would lose their lease or find like a building that's had abandoned with big machinery in it would get sold. And then they have to clear it out immediately for closing or whatever. And then suddenly a truckload of, you know, antique machines pulls up to a salvage yard and they just push them off the back. Because they're going to get broken up and recycled anyway. And, you know, that's the most heartbreaking thing. We got into it really from architecture. And that's kind of my background in building and architecture. And driving by a house, it's just 
beautiful. And then, and then the ball or the backhoe or, yeah. or the excavators come and biting through it. I mean, it makes you sick to your stomach. Well, you guys are in, you guys are in like the heart, heartland of, you know, the countryside. And I'm in the same place up here. You know, this is kind of like the cradle of America in like upstate New York. Yeah. There's so many beautiful, my house is set, the house I'm sitting in is 1790. That's how old this house is. Wow. Now. Cool. And so there's so many beautiful old homes. Like you could see my door is civil wire. It's three over three with the rim latch. Right. You know? I'll give you five bucks for it, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> I got a milk crate full of rim latches. Yeah. When one breaks or the lock breaks, I just go out to the garage, get switch it and put it. Yeah. Old porcelain uh, doorknobs, you know. Yeah. Oh, there's a twenty. There's a twenty spot. That's fifty a set. <laughs> yeah. Now we're talking. Now we're I talking. got about I got about a hundred of those outside. Yeah, I started right. collecting only brown ones, so I only yeah. collect brown ones. Oh, yeah. White, yeah. And, white and black, I pass on. The sad part is, is you know, you you have all this love for architecture as I had all these years, and and being in the salvage business after twenty five, I'm starting to worry about myself because I, I drive by a house and then I think parts. Oh my god, yeah. Part, yeah. You know, by the parts, it's just like turning on these things. They won't let us go in the uh, the Biltmore because you know they'll frisk us on the way out. Yeah, you know, stuff corbels in our jacket. You know, I don't, don't want to. I don't want to tell you guys this, but I, I had a lead about five years ago on the Waldorf Astoria in Manhattan, yeah. and I had to pass on it because I didn't have the means to collect any of this stuff. I mean, I, like I said, this was this was. You could look at the timeline when the Waldorf was closed down. I guess about seven or eight years ago, friends of friends. The demolition guys were like, I can't conceivably like scrape the walls and throw this all in a dumpster, scrape yeah, the walls, amazing. scrape the, these friends of mine, they're just like hipsters. They were allowed in the Waldorf Astoria every night to just collect stuff, unscrew door panels, collect lighting fixtures. They went around, they collect, and they still have it all in a warehouse somewhere. Wow. They don't know what to do with it. They're do just, you have their number? They're not in the <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, if you guys are interested, I can try and get you in touch and see what they still have. There I think that'd be a great idea. So much salvage out yeah. there and so little less yeah. to do. It, you but, know, yeah, and some of it's really good, though. It's the good stuff that, you know, you yeah. have to kind of filter it out. And that sounds like the good stuff, Jimmy. Yeah, I was going to say, if it's, <laughs> if it's boring, like, as design but has a good story it's no longer boring as design it's That's a good story oh not yeah that, that, story. i mean and, and we we have perjured ourselves at, at times yeah you know, he'll tell a lie uh, yeah. hey listen <laughs> if you want a story it's going to cost you yeah <laughs> <laughs> don't let I'm the gonna... truth get in the way of a good story <laughs> oh, yeah. right, 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 right. well these guys you spoke about space these guys obviously know a thing or two about having to house all this stuff and that's usually with mm -hmm. items, I guess it's the storage space. And with buildings, it's the renovation costs, the electrical update costs. You know, people are like, yeah. we got a lot of feedback from the show about many things. But one of, <laughs> one of the things was, you guys are destroying history. You know, you were, you were uh, backhanding somebody's fine work. And the reality was, and you can speak on this, it. but it was, oh. it was destined for the yeah, scrap heap. Yeah. I mean, we, we a week after we leave, the like you said, yeah. the wrecking ball is coming yeah, right through. Last it. best hope. Last best hope for this stuff is, is right. Us. Yeah, because you know, real estate guys aren't going to slow down for anybody. They don't care no. about history. No. No. And it had been on the market for a yeah. decade, you know, yeah. and no one bought yeah. it. No one had yeah. the money to fix it up. And it's. But it's, then when it's, you yeah. guys come to pop a window out, everyone's like, "Oh, what are you doing?" Like, right. Yeah. Well, we became known. We became known for that. Going okay, you want to mitigate your your personal problems with your community? Bring us in. We'll put a little cherry on top of it for you. We're saving stuff. Hey, I brought Black Dog in. You know, or you know, or Jimmy is. And, yeah. and, and that gives them a little bit of credit. Yeah, Mike's been chased out of a few buildings with a back yeah, or an excavator. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. one more, one <laughs> more. Yeah. The passion is is leaking out of this segment of the podcast, and before it all leaks out, I think we should take a break. Can we get back? I believe Mr. Deresta here has a DIY tip of the week for us. So I stay, think man, I can't wait. Stay tuned for that. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> Go to a real commercial. Give me a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Miller Welders. <laughs> Miller Welders. You know what I mean? Um, Miller Welders. Miller Welders. <laughs> we want to go in harmony. I can't sing, but Miller and wait for it. Welders. Yeah. Is that uh, a, that's a theatrical pause? Is uh, that uh, yeah. Pause for effect. Yeah. Why don't you both pause for this effect? Okay. Go. Go there. <laughs> Miller Welders are, it's the best welder. I, it's the welder you taught me how to weld on, Dad. It's the welder I've used for 15 years as a fabricator. It's the welder I still use in my garage. Whether you're buying a used one as a beginner or a new one as a beginner, or you're using one as a pro on a shipyard in your home shop, they're the best. You can get parts for them. They're made in America, smooth operation, and they just work, man. They work. Yeah, there's nothing worse than getting to something and then it doesn't work. The piece of equipment not doing the one yeah. job it was you know, in, and it, supposed and it, to do. And the, the one that didn't work wasn't blue. 
It was never blue. Yeah. That's right. Blue. Yeah. Well, I guess to wrap it up, Miller Welders, well done, people. Well mm. done. Damn. All right. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Black Dog Salvage podcast, and we are still talking to the one and only Jimmy DeResta. And, uh, Thank you. I believe we want to squeeze a little more knowledge out of him. Absolutely. While we got Jimmy here. Yeah. Don't Don't squeeze too hard. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Jimmy's in his 50s. That's that's true. (laughs) Nothing personal, Jimmy, but just speaking out of experience here. This is the part Do you hear that squeak? Do you hear that squeak? That's oh, actually yeah. not my chair. That's my knees. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, folks, this is the this is the uh, part of the podcast where we ask the expert about their top tip. And easy uh, for you to say. Well, you know, Jimmy's here, and he is an expert. Sometimes we joke around, and we think we're experts. You got well, Jimmy. It's Jimmy. Funny. You, it's funny. I have a good opportunity to, to share with you a little story that just happened a couple of hours ago. So, the sawmill down the block is run by a guy named Ray. And uh, Ray called me out of nowhere. Uh, if you guys get a chance to see the inside of my barn and my social media, those guys provided me with all the planking. It's all hemlock planking, rough sawn oh, with an actual cool. circular blade. So you have like the circular mark. So it looks like it's kind of real vintage, real beautiful. You know, the difference between a circular blade and a bandsaw blade is a little bit more modern, even though bandsaws are just as old. Sure. Um, anyway, that's a different podcast. Uh, Ray <laughs> called me and said, I have to cut a three inch copper pipe long ways down the middle and it has to be perfect. He goes, I don't even know where to begin. He goes, I said, well, you could use a table saw. He's like, do I need a special diamond cut blade? I'm like, no, you can cut non-ferrous metals with a regular carbide tip blade. You just got to be careful. And you got to more, most importantly is wear a crazy eye protection because those little shards could be thrown everywhere. Yeah. So I said, he goes, well, how can we make sure that it doesn't twist while I'm trying to push it through the table saw? Cause it's a tube. I said, build a little box around it. So build like a four by four by four by four inch box around it. And you could even just use hot glue. Cause if you're going to pass it through the table, saw, it's going to go quickly. So hot glue the box around it. With right angles, you know, just make sure your right angles and your machining is, is correct. And then you could pass that through the table saw. And I said, have the blade only come up through the sacrificial box side and just enough to cut through the copper pipe and uh, then flip it over and cut it again. Don't have the blade come up all the way through the thickness Both. of the pipe and come back out. You know, cutting the top and the bottom at the same time would be too dangerous. Yeah. So you just want to cut through one surface, flip it over and cut through the other surface and then pop that sacrificial box off. So having that box will help you keep that long tube. Maybe you're making a gutter for your doghouse. I don't know what the hell he's doing. He didn't tell me that he just <laughs> yeah. had a kind of copper pipe so, long ways in him. So you came up with this while you were on the phone? Yeah, just because he said, how can, he goes, how can I cut a copper pipe in half? A, because I said, he goes, I, I, I yeah. can just throw it on the bandsaw if you want. He's like, but it's important that it's really straight. I go, then once you use it, then use it. I go, I could do it if you want. He's got all the tools there, but it's just, like I said, it's just outside his daily. So he, uh, he thought cool. he'd just give me a call. And then once we were done talking, he's like, 100% got it. He goes, I'm glad yeah. I talked to you. Yeah. Because it gives me the opportunity. He was thinking outside the box. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy, you're, you're killing us. Because it would have taken me, you know, a week and a half to say, okay, well, we're going to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get some copper flat bar yeah, and braze it on. Yeah, then they'd have walked away. Let's call it a consultant. Yeah, exactly. well, the, and, yeah, that, uh, and then another tip that I just recently, I did a little thing for Woodworking Magazine, and they gave it to me for a few hours ago to just proofread it. And and I was like, oh, I said that? Oh, I didn't realize. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> they asked me about making it. And on the TV show Making It, this tends to be lots of dowels. Everybody wants dowels for this, dowels for that. So there's like a whole bucket full of all different diameter dowels all the way down to pencil all the way up to three inch wooden dowels and Jesus. The, if you're an amateur or a noob you got to be super careful if you're going to put a dowel to a bandsaw because if you're not prepared it's going to spin wildly out of your hands and yeah. be super scary and it'll be very startling so i always say if you're going to cut either around something round hold hold it with a clamp clamp a piece of wood to it or hot glue it to a piece of wood or in many cases you see like that saw buck that you could pass like logs through you know like the buck sled which is kind of like like a v-shape so you could chunk the wood down into it Um, oh yeah uh same thing with balls another thing on the tv show everybody wants to cut balls in half to make eyeballs (laughs) and use them as like bubbles sticking out of the wall (laughs) guts guts balls gutsy eyes gutsy eye toys (laughs) that's one of my toys but like baseballs baseballs and ping pong balls that's right and again it's the same thing you you come to a bandsaw and all of a sudden it gets pulled out of your hand scarily. So I say either hot glue them to something or grab them with like a 
like a screw clamp or something. I have a lot more respect for your safety uh, protocol now. (laughs) Basically what he's saying is be careful out there. Well, safety is a... How do I know? How do I know (laughs) the 500 times I said I can hold this strong enough and then it rips out of my hands. I got two clamps right here. What's the problem? (laughs) And, uh, you know, another just more bandsaw stuff. Like you think, oh, you can go... Certain things don't cut well on the bandsaw. You can't cut a book on a bandsaw very well. For some reason, the paper grabs the blade. It cuts, but it like makes a big smell, really a lot of friction. And fabric. Like if you're going to cut something that has fabric in it, those fibers of string don't cut like wood. They get stuck in the blade and pull down. So if you guys have ever like tried to cut like a tire that has like plies in it or, you know, something that has like a, you know, embedded fabric in it, you go to cut and the fabric gets caught in the teeth of the blade. So, you know, a, a, a one way to prevent that from happening is back your cut with a piece of wood. Right. So it'll go to get pulled into the saw blade table. It hits the wood that you're sacrificially backing your cut with and it, it cuts clean. It will cut, but it won't cut well. That's the, that's that's right. the a lot of sacrifice in Jimmy's <laughs> shop is what I'm hearing. That's a, yeah, a lot of sacrificial scrap. I keep scrap. A lot of Baltic scrap birch yeah. giving its scrap life. Scrap and for- hot glue. Scrap right. and hot glue. Hopefully the viewers are appreciative. I mean, that, that kind of stuff comes about through prototyping, really, right? People that do the same thing every day aren't going to come up yeah. with these like DIY tricks. It's only when you go get a real good head scratcher and you have to do yeah. it by the end of the day. And then it's like, well, I'm going to try until well, it you can works. Find it. You can yeah. find it right here then, you know, the tip of the day. And Jimmy threw some at us. Yeah, that's right. Experience, you know. So yeah, you want another hit. tip? I just thought because I'm thinking of like in terms of you guys having to move crazy heavy things. You want to move a safe that has no wheels on it? Throw no. it in a moving no. blanket and drag the moving blanket. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There you go. We just don't want to move one at all. I tell you what, they're offered to us all the time. We go like, nah, that's the uh, oh, my the older, practice. the more ornate, the more beautiful saving yeah. one. Oh, I know, I know. You want some? <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I'll collect them for you. We started. I think at the end of the show, we just got to the point where we were taking. Uh, the doors and the hardware off the safe and leaving the heavy part behind. Try and walk away with the light stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It's still heavy. Everything we have is heavy. Jimmy, thanks so much. And uh, on behalf of the viewers, thank you for the little bit of DIY wisdom. Do we have viewers? Um, Do you have podcast listeners? Well, they're on YouTube. And this this gentleman right here knows a little something about YouTube. Hey, Jimmy, it was was great talking to you, man. Thanks for the wisdom. Uh, We really hope to be able to come up to your shop and see your barn someday. And and, uh, if we get up in upstate New York, well, we go visit Grace yeah. in Brooklyn, and we'll make a detour. Uh, we got a daughter in Brooklyn that uh, blows glass. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, that'd be yeah. a killer connection, actually. Yeah. But uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to dive into one of the episodes of Salvage Dogs. So, see you in cool. a bit. Thank you, Jimmy. Thanks, Jim. You know, <laughs> when, I, when I think about Robert taking a cough lozenger, mm-hmm. I think about King Footwear. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. It is. It is. Therapy does not do enough. King footwear, guys. You know, I've dropped stuff on my foot, and if I didn't have something there to protect it, ouch. That's an understatement. Yeah, and I have, and I do it almost daily. Yeah, heavy stuff. I'm buying them for utility. I got bad feet. I don't know if anybody knows that. Let's take a moment to talk about Mike's feet. Well, well, you know, don't underestimate your footwear, everybody. That's true. uh, And uh, if you can... Keep your toes while working. Bonus. That's why we're talking about keen utility <laughs> footwear, yes. people. That's why we're talking about the steel toe. Comfort. Lightweight. Yeah. Style. I'm going. Give me, give me some of that keen. Dad's limping, but it's not because of keen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Welcome back uh, to the Black Dog Salvage podcast. And today we're going to be talking about one of our local and favorite episodes, which is Price Fuller. Filler. Filler. But fuller, it was filler. It's, fuller, it's a fuller filler. filler. It was filler. A, a misspeak that made it into hard writing. It is now the name of the episode, the Price Fuller Machine Shop, which does not exist. Okay. Okay. It was what DIY and Discovery really didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> well, the good part about it, it was local and yeah. we owned it. Dale and I owned it and it was it was uh it, it was chock a block, Jim, if you're still with us. This this yeah. building this building was a 1920s machine it was shop. Built, it's a 3,700 square foot building that was built in 1917. And uh, it was started by Mr. Price and Mr. Filler. And it became the Price Filler Machine Shop. And they had uh, medical machining contracts. I think they made parts for artificial hips or, or compound bone fracture repair. Wow. You wouldn't believe on, this On thing. like 1905 horizontal milling machines driven by a belt system from the ceiling. So oh, was, my God. It was a time capsule. Well, it, so, yeah. 
We'll send you a DVD of that, man. It was awesome. Well, and actually, I, this is a shameless plug. I have a VHS plug, but, tape if you have yeah, yeah. Oh, let me give it back to Robert. I'll no. screen record. Um, but so that was the episode started there. And dad and a, his friend Dale, a local property developer, bought the building. And uh, we had a you know segment on the show that we called a pick where we, you know, it wasn't a full-blown salvage, but we would go to a place and do the picker thing, you know, look through stuff. And, oh, that's right. We went to a uh, rural retreat. Easy for me to say. Well, later in the end, there were two picks in this episode, but the price filler was the first one. And uh, Well, it took how many actual uh, months did it take you to clean out that place? Well, yeah. So to fast forward in real time, that is now currently the building that my custom fabrication shop is in. So over the process of three years, years, um, mostly solitary, I waded through... 80 years of antique machinery and old billets and weird alloy steel that I've never heard of before and tried to pay homage to what all this stuff was. Because genuinely, there are some machines that we found in this shop that like their brothers and sisters are in the Smithsonian Museum. Like there's a brown brown and sharp number one horizontal milling machine. There was a uh, a uh, nail. Turret mill. Uh, yeah, Bullard vertical turret, uh, vertical turret mill with a thirty-seven inch. Uh, uh, you know chuck. what's unbelievable? Like, what's unbelievable is that most people don't realize is that everything that you see that's cast iron was made out of wood by somebody first. Oh yeah, yeah. So, patterns. Yeah. And that's one thing that most people don't realize is like all those machines you're describing were were made by somebody out of wood first. Because yeah. all those wooden patterns with a with a hollow pat make the hollow cavities inside the sand casting right to then yeah. get filled with. With molten metal, that's a, and Jimmy, iron. that's a completely different episode because we've done a couple of the uh, uh, foundry patterns. You know, found found large yep. quantities yeah. of yeah. Patterns. patterns. Just so exciting! Just the thought process of yeah. these pattern makers, the brilliance of them, and the engineers yeah. that designed this stuff on paper. Then the, the pattern maker made it in wood. That whole process, the foundry process, is incredible. And the shrink, yeah, shrink, right. I've got a uh, uh, eight foot tall propeller blade made out of wood. <clears throat> Every, there's not one straight line on it. It's amazing. But mm. anyway, this, this, uh, this shop is, uh, you know, is local and obviously about five minutes away. And, uh, we pulled out some pretty cool stuff. But one thing about the earlier on is Robert became a maker that day. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not a maker. Uh, no, he's not. But <laughs> oh, is it because Jimmy's here? You lost your confidence. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's exactly. I was like, yes, I'm a, yeah, well. And he played one on yeah. TV anyway. It was this funny moment that we were picking through this shop. And if you've seen the episode, I mean, it was just rat trails. You could barely walk through it. But Robert found this old, uh, metal trash can. One of the old Oscar, <laughs> Oscar the Grouch trash cans. That's exactly. Yeah. And then a straight cut, a uh, 36 inch, like four inch thick straight cut uh, gear and uh, big old cast iron thing. And you had dad help you put it on top of the trash can. And he goes, look, I'm a maker now. <laughs> it, was a, it was a beautiful <laughs> table. It had clean lines, simple. <laughs> put some glass on top, I yeah, think you said. Exactly. And, and there and it I, I have a confession. I have a confession. When I first heard the term maker, I was like, Give me a fucking break. Me too. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my God. I'm so relieved. I've been making to my whole that. goddamn life. This is bullshit. <laughs> well, it, it was like an oversimplification, right? Like, yeah. But then, like, there's it, a lot more to it. I mean, it's cre- the, the creation, the inventor, the, the all the things. Honestly, you know, and, and as time's gone on, the more people that I meet, you know, it just happened fairly quickly. I'm like, maker, okay, whatever. Let me play along, see what this yeah. is about. But as I met people that found their way, you know, guys would come to me, and they still do. Guys will come to me and like tear up while they're saying, like, because of you, I realize I am a maker, and I'm not, you know, I'm not just a, a, an ambulance driver. You know, because yeah. I have this one particular friend of mine, I said once in a, in a, in a, in one of my podcasts, I said, it's okay to call yourself an artist. And, you know, just by me saying that, you know, because like I grew up with my dad pressuring me to be a fireman. I didn't want to be a fireman. I was an artist, you know, like, yeah, I, I right. didn't choose it. It just was, it was in me. And, uh, you know, this one particular friend of mine, who's an ambulance driver in Canada, he said, he goes, when you said that, he goes, I was in tears pulled over on the side of the road saying like, I am an artist. And he says he's been suppressing it his whole life because of his, his environment <laughs> and his, you know, the social pressures around, you know, you're an artist or you're a maker, give me a break, uh-huh. you know? And like, so I began to embrace maker and, you know, people who, 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 for one reason or another, you know, finding that now in their career or suppressed it, 
from early on, and now are just like they can't suppress it anymore. They're they're literally out of the closets. Like that's oh, yeah. 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 I know you're yeah. eighty years yeah. old. My wife and my three teenage kids. I'm a maker now. I'm no longer a lawyer. And, and his yeah. wife's like, finally, honey. Yeah. 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 Watch your fingers, like a doctor that's in the, in yeah. the show. Watch his fingers. Speaking of salt, so the stops. more the yeah. more that uh, you know, I meet, I met people that you know have these experiences. The more I, I began to respect the term. But when I first started, I was like, yeah, maker bullshit. My well, it's, per- it's perfect for someone like you because, like, you do you're the multimedia, and I don't mean that in like video, yeah. but like working yeah. with media. That couldn't be a truer description of you. So, like. Your elevator pitch must be impossible unless you use the word maker, you know, like. Well, people say, what do you do? I say, I make shit out of everything. Well, yeah, like furniture. Yeah. It's the definition of yeah. maker right there. Yeah. 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 And uh, look it up in fucking like, Wagnall. Wherever I'm in a room, I'll be like, for instance, like if it's somebody that doesn't, you know, there's obviously many people that don't know me and I need to give them the elevator pitch. I'll go, well, I could make that. I could make that. I could make that. I could probably make that. I mean, I'm good at doing that, but I'm not good at doing that, but I could make that. Yeah. And then they go, really? Like, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, and then I could make that out of that. Or that. Uh-huh. That's, there's, right. that's exactly there's where the savant <laughs> comes in. Where'd you learn how to do that? Watching Jimmy on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, what was the bleeder level on this episode? <laughs> you know, he you knows. Know, yeah, you know, everybody that asked me that come in the shop here say, Hey, Mike, did you screw up anything today? And then where's the band aid? And yeah. uh, this was, uh, to the best of my knowledge, and my memory's fading, this was a zero bleeder level job. And there oh, should have been, and there can't be. I mean, I, I bleed just walking into a building. No, I'm going to stop you right here. I'm going to stop you right here. And, and the bleeding doesn't always have to be human blood. Okay. So, oh, I mean, okay. The, you know, bleeder level is, did Mike break something? It could be break his uh, finger. Oh, no, could no, he, no, no. Know, that could definition. Could he actually bleed, whatever. And, uh, <laughs> let's, let's try to expand this to include all the things that really just didn't make no, it. No, it has to be it. hemoglobin, man. One it's got to be uh, one of the white feature. corpuscles. It's got to be red. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, Jimmy, it, Jimmy one, of the, one, of the, one of the features of every show is, you know, a build in uh, for Salvage Dogs. And in this case, <laughs> the, the build was a coffee bar in a, uh, that we were building for our guest house that we were built, rebuilding next door. And uh, Mike was working on uh, some nice, really nice uh, cased, cased glass <laughs> windows that we had salvaged from a, a good, big, good-sized mansion up in Pennsylvania, and had made it all the way back to Roanoke. I mean, it's amazing when these things don't get broken on the way. Truly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so now Do you now remember I, that now? What's now, the bleeder level on this? Now level? I understand <laughs> the redefinition of the bleeder level. Yeah, so that was a it was a three, Jimmy. Uh, thanks. For that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. No yeah. blood. No but, human blood was spilt. But uh, uh, Robert's Robert bled and bled himself just watching me heart. do it. Yeah, yeah. 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 There's uh, there's been a lot of episodes where some quite valuable things yeah. just didn't quite make. If I can there. remember correctly, he broke, there were two windows and he broke one. He, I think the verdict was, well, we might as well break the other one. <laughs> no, so no, so no. at least it matches. Yeah, <laughs> well, we did. That's true. Yeah. I put other glass in there, texture glass. You, yeah, know, so. I, you know, I'd forgotten. We reviewed this episode and I mean, there was a lot chock full of, I mean, the, the price filler. Yeah. We also went to rural retreat, which I'm going to just kind of save that for my, cause that one's a little tough. It's one. painful. Yeah. But we also introduced the uh, stone house at Black Dog Salvage, yes. which is a, um, a beautiful uh, stone house built in 1906 by an Italian uh, immigrant stonemaker or stonemason. Um, and it happens to be right next to our, our building here. And both of these places were abandoned when Mike and I bought the place in 2003, kind of found it. It's we a just huge, kept huge the hogs out there. Oh, uh, cleaners. <laughs> um, but uh, we got a chance to introduce the house as, as it was, which is we had filmed the, uh, all the interviews, the first six, ep- uh, six seasons of salvage dogs in this house and That's it great. had no electricity, naked no, walls, no heat, yeah. and no, yeah, no air sit, conditioning. Yeah. And it was some, some painful experiences we had there. And you could see us, our, you could see our breath in the winter. I you think, could hear the mowing. M- I think the most back. painful part of that was you having to put makeup on. Oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was that was that was that's pretty painful. And for by me. a big old burly guy named Jack. It <laughs> <laughs> yeah. wasn't a petite one. That, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's not my favorite moment. But, yeah, uh, but we did get a chance to see what the house looked like before yes. it was restored, and it was a huge project. And it's now been in operation for. Two and a half years, I yeah, guess. And you, 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 you can take a tour on our website. But, um, <laughs> uh, one of the things I noticed was at the beginning of the show, the house was just in complete disarray starting the demolition. And by the end of the show, 30 minutes later, 
done. The, the, the coffee bar was being installed in the up, upper <laughs> hallway. Uh, was, uh, magic you know, of just television. completely finished. I was uh, I was amazed at how quickly we got that job done. So. <laughs> yeah, well, Jimmy can build a you know a, a, a AK forty seven in eight minutes. That's, a, no, that's, that's right. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't tell you the government should do, that. You should it's do a reality. bleeder level uh, in the behind the scenes. <laughs> what is the bleeder level behind the scenes versus the bleeder level? Uh, no, 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 no. Let me just uh, <laughs> let me assure you the producers uh, made sure that if there was any bleeding going on it, it found its way to the camera yeah, well, yeah. They oh, were, they were, you hear him on the radio you know they say if it bleeds it leads that's right you know, that's so, right yeah you know, i was just trying to get i was just trying to get more time i'll tell you guys uh, just a quick funny story because we just we're just now seeing little clips the editors are texting us clips for the new show we just shot a new tv show uh for a streaming network it's going to be on in january congrats um, by the way uh, that's cool. thank you yeah was, we shot a real fun show uh, hopefully it comes out as fun as the experience was in person but uh there was a segment in the very first like three days of shooting where paul jackman who is my uh co co one of the co-hosts of the show got stung by a wasp on the side of his head and uh immediately all the cameramen like swarmed him no pun intended they swarmed him They're like <laughs> where'd you get stung they, they're like fabulous the old, the medic came out and it's like, cause he's like, for a second, everyone's like, are you allergic? He goes, I don't know. I never got stung by Did you say you're before. allergic? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so all the cameras are pointing at it, waiting for him to pass Wait, out. Swell, swell yeah. up. Yeah. It's like, guys, give me a yeah. minute. Yeah. <laughs> and so they put it, they put this little, like, I don't even remember. I remember the cameras swarming him, but in my recollection, it was like, it was like a non-moment. It was like, okay, he got stung by a bee, whatever. Yeah. But they used the footage in this little tiny segment where it turns into a big laugh and you just, I'll just plant that seed in a year from now when you get to see the episode, you'll see that moment awesome. where Jackman gets stung by a wasp and we make it into a funny, but yeah. I didn't remember the funny. The, the editors found it. Well, they add a little music. They add a little suspense. Yeah. Well, it's, it's exactly. drama. You know? yeah. Some, sometimes these salvage jobs are a little, little yawny, you know, so you need some drama, you know, <laughs> a little blood, How about yeah. some blood? Yeah. So, like that. you know, just, just stand by something will happen. Just give me a minute. That's okay. Right. Yeah. I'm not promising anything. It's just my nature. Yeah, the most painful part of, an, of, one, of our, part. one of our salvages is if we're doing a pick and say instead of Jimmy, instead of um, taking a house apart, which I love, we'll go visit somebody who's been collecting. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Collecting. Sure. They, there's some I'm fine lines there between oh, uh, this you know, guy. Uh, a problem. And uh, so we went up to a little bit farther southwest Virginia, farther in the country, and the guy had uh, quite a collection and a huge warehouse. And I was assured by someone. His daughter. Ian? Oh, his daughter. Usually it's a daughter pressing on an older fella to start cleaning you know, it. Dad, it's time to out. let it go. Yeah. Well, uh, the didn't. whole premise of us going up and, and meeting with a with a collector is is to, you know, wheel and deal and us buy stuff at good prices and salvage, I mean, salvage uh, prices. Yeah. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. But uh, this was one of those where. It, it was truly, <laughs> truly painful because we're sitting there negotiating. You know, I'll sell you. I got three of these, but I only want to sell two, and I want to, I want the same amount of money for three. It's like that just don't add up, you know. And and I'm yeah. looking at his daughter and she's standing behind him, and, and I'm just kind of giving her a little shrug, going like, "Hey, you said this guy was ready to deal, <laughs> yeah. you know, and he's not willing to give up anything." And and all this is uh, premised on the fact that um, unfortunately, uh, our television show was we would come up with the salvage project. We would have a business deal to actually make that happen. We would yeah. pay for the salvage in a situation like this. There would be no participation uh, from the production company or very little, unless they wanted us to break something, to, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we did to that underwrite for, We this. did that for free, too. Yeah, so uh, we ended up overpaying. And I one thing I can't stand is overpaying. And so... That's where the real pain that came was in. The pain. That was yeah, the pain. For Robert. Yeah, anyway. exactly. Dealing with, well, yeah. Of, like, think of all the times when you, when, you, when you see something and you overpay for it. Think of all the times where you got, like, the coolest thing for free. That's, That's so right. Good. It Thank all balances you. out. There Thank you go. You. This, yang is yang. What I, this is what I need to hear. It's I need what, to be brought down from the edge. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, I'm back it's up an there. Eastern <laughs> philosophy, Robert. <laughs> That's near, near Eastern yeah. philosophy. Near Eastern. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm Southeastern. Over there somewhere. But it was a good episode. I mean, it's, it, we can't talk about wasting money anymore because <laughs> please, Robert's in pain and he's turning colors. Yep. So, but uh, we're going to take a quick break so he can uh, have some water yeah, and we'll be right back to uh, wrap it all up. So thank you guys. Feelings. <laughs> you may be the, the wrong person for the, <laughs> for the feelings. <laughs> 
Yes, yes. Robert, how did that equipment make you feel? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Did United Rentals make you all finally make you all all warm warm and toasty inside? You know, you show up to a job no matter where it was. And that equipment would be sitting there waiting on you. And mm-hmm. I'm not even talking about the big stuff that you got to laze about in and run the controls <laughs> on. I'm talking about, you know, so a jackhammer here and this piece of equipment, that piece of equipment. They've got it all. United Rentals has anything you need anywhere you need it. And uh, there's, a do- just, yeah. there's a strange dog barking in my ear. <laughs> Robert, strangely the, enough, that's United a, Rentals do something about yeah, that. Yeah, they've got they've got sound attenuators for that, yeah, and yeah. they get it's it's soup to nuts, guys. Yeah. United no, Rentals has it. No question, they've been there for us, and they'll be there for you. United Rentals. Oh, all right. I love the dog. Whose dog? Is that yours, Jimmy? That's my dog. Sorry, guys. No, oh, yeah, yeah. I love it. We're man. dog people. UPS is here. <laughs> Oh, so you're pulling in some sound effects. <laughs> what color is that dog? Hey, uh, welcome. Uh, black dog. That's my, my uh, yeah, 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 yeah. 20% right there. <laughs> we are wanting to say adios, muchachos, to Jimmy. We don't want Thank to. Well, I, I don't want you to. You know, Jimmy's it's, got it's, things to do. Yes. But uh, yeah. it's been a it's been a real joy. I've only known you for 24 hours, Jimmy. I feel like I've known you for all my life. You know. Well, thank you guys. We're friends now. So if you guys ever need anything from the Northeast, or uh, you have any old safes that are in good shape with beautiful paint on them, dude, I'll bring you a whole truckload of them. Yeah. And just tell me where you want them. Well, I think I, I speak for all of my friends who I have beat over the head with uh, interesting YouTube videos. That this is an incredible opportunity. And thank you, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. And I don't have to tell you this, but keep doing your thing because we want to keep watching thank Um, you thank you thank you i'd be remiss to if i didn't say um i'm sorry uh, about your your assistant aaron i I listened to that episode yesterday and um it was really cool to hear you celebrate his life and talk about him and you you had me you had me in tears man Um, but good ones and and you said one thing uh that when you were talking about him and you said you were coaching him through some stuff and you said your advice to him was just keep making things. The rest will figure right. itself out. Right. And that I've said it four times since I heard that episode because personally, <laughs> it's such good life advice. Keep your hands busy. Keep doing stuff that you love yeah. and the rest will work, your, work itself out. You're a life coach now, Jimmy. Yeah. Maybe that's, thank that's you really the top tip for the day. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But thank you so much for joining us, man. And uh, it was well, a thank pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. It was great. It was thank you. Pleasure. Good luck thank to you. Thank you, all three of you. All three of you. Thank you. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Of course, um, you can find out more about all the stories you've heard, plus more, and connect with us uh, further at our website, blackdogsalvage.com. You can also sign up for our newsletter. There you can hear more about us, our guests, and the show. Yeah, and if you like what you heard, please share, like, and rate our show wherever you get your podcasts. As those shares and likes really make a difference. They really do. Yeah. They do. But uh, I live for him, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Well, he we, he's, he finally appreciates like Jimmy, the, I think the value Jimmy, of a like. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's an awesome like you just threw at me. <laughs> well, Thank thanks, you. everybody, and see you next time. <laughs>